Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Jonah and the Whale. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this time we decided to take it back, talk about some Bible stories again. This is one that I think many people would have heard of, even if they are not regular churchgoers or any sort of a churchgoer, but let's go back and give a brief idea of what the story is. Sure. So the story of Jonah is actually an entire book in the Bible. It comes out of the Hebrew scriptures. Okay, so Old Testament. Yep. And it's one of these fabulous books that's a story in and of itself. Think, for example, like Ruth or Job. This is a book called Jonah about this particular story. And in this story, what happens is there is a prophet, a truth teller of God. That's what prophets are. Prophets aren't fortune tellers. They are individuals who see the world and who figure out what's going on. And then they say, if you don't stop X behavior, then Y will happen. Okay. Right. So they're not very well liked because usually people who say things (laughs) like... don't want to hear what they have to say. (laughs) No, these are the people who are like, if you eat McDonald's three times a day for six weeks you're going to die younger, right? Sure. That's the kind of thing that they see. They see that when we're eating to excess or when we're taking advantage of other people, they call it out. That's what a prophet is. So Jonah was a prophet, someone who could see things, someone who could understand ramifications and what was happening. And God tells Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh to tell them to change their behaviors or else they would be facing destruction. But the thing is, is that Jonah really hates the people of Nineveh. Oh, well, why would you pick somebody that hates, I don't know, another trial, I guess. Well, it's just, you know, God's mercy is great and God's love is awesome. And so God is like, yeah, go tell the Ninevites that they can stop what they're doing and everything will be better. And Jonah's like, well, but I really hate the Ninevites and I kind of want them to get what's coming to them. Right. <laughs> I and love so it. Jonah is all of us. Totally. Right. It's a very relatable story. So Jonah goes down to the waterfront and hires himself a boat and takes off in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. Okay. So basically saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Totally. And takes off running to the other side of the world. While on the water, a huge storm comes up and Jonah is underneath the deck sleeping, sound asleep in the bottom of the boat. And this huge storm is pitching the boat and everyone up top is the crew. They're certain they're going to die and they're scared. And so they come down and they say, Jonah, you're a man of God. Do you know why this is happening? And Jonah, no joke, says, yep, totally me. I'm going the wrong way. I can't believe he tells them the truth. I know, right? They're like, are you serious? He says, yep. And so they pitch him overboard. Well, heck yeah. The water's calm and they are safe. And Jonah falls down into the water. I was going to say, is there a life raft involved in this? Well, the life raft involved is, comes in the form of a big fish. Hmm. We translate that as whale. 
but it is a big fish that comes along and swallows Jonah whole. This is not an improvement in the situation, if you ask me. (laughs) So Jonah then is taken by fish in a different kind of cargo and prays and asks for God's help and is spit up, is vomited onto the shoreline. This is getting worse and worse. Isn't it great? He's vomited onto the shoreline. And of course, where does he end up? Well, he's got to be in Nineveh. He's totally in Nineveh. So he lands himself in Nineveh. He gets there. He's like, fine. Okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be in Nineveh. Fine. So he takes this message that he knows he's supposed to give. Turn, repent, or else there will be destruction. And this is a huge city. The city of Nineveh is ginormous. I think I read in one of the commentaries, I could be off. I'm not always the best at remembering numbers, but it's somewhere between like five and eight days journey walking across it. Oh, nice. Like it's a huge city. And so Jonah walks a half a day's walk, I believe it is, into the city. So like the the least amount of effort. Sure. You could totally put in. Hey, you know what? If I'm getting vomited by a fish, I'm putting the least (laughs) amount of effort into this. (laughs) So he like moseys his way half a day into the city and he stands in the middle of the city, like a little area. It's like, turn around and repent. If you don't change your ways, God's going to get angry at you. Right? Like he doesn't even put any effort into Mm -mm. it. There's no like proclamation, like turn around, repent. He just gives the most lackluster preaching performance. And then he turns around and he walks back out of the city. Here's what's amazing. The people who heard it took it seriously. And it goes all the way up the chain of command and it reaches the king. And the king hears it. And the king takes it seriously and orders the entire city into sackcloth and ashes to repent and to turn and change their ways. And the entire city follows through with it. This almost seems more unbelievable to me than the whole whale thing. Truly, right? I mean, it's amazing. So they believe him. The message gets where it needs to go. The city takes it seriously. They change their ways. And the city is saved. Meanwhile, up on the top of the hill overlooking the city of Nineveh sits Jonah, pouting. And God is like, why are you so upset that there are so many thousands of innocent people here? And why would you be upset that they changed their ways, that they wouldn't receive this kind of destruction and death that you had anticipated? And Jonah comes back with, this is why I didn't want to come. I didn't want to come because your love is steadfast and true. And I knew you were going to forgive them. And I knew they weren't going to get what I wanted them to get and that, that you would just forgive them. And I didn't want to do this anyway. And so Jonah hits the best temper tantrum ever, sitting up on the top of the hill overlooking the city. So it's getting hot and warm. So now Jonah's cranky and hot. So God has a little tree grow up to give him shade. Oh, man. So this little tree grows up and provides Jonah with shade as he sits and he pouts in the heat of the day. And Jonah is grateful for the shade. And he sleeps that night. The next morning, a worm comes along that eats the tree and the tree collapses. And Jonah, on top of this hill, overlooking the forgiven Nineveh, 
goes into the classic, it would be better if I were just to have died than to have had this happen. Nice. God is like, seriously, I can give you shade. I can take shade away. And you're this upset about my unending love being given to all other people. And Jonah just sits there and pouts and storms and whines and bemoans his fate that God's love is so great. And it would be better off if he had just died than had to have seen the forgiveness of this entire city. And that's the book of Jonah. Wait, that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Wow. What do you take away from something like this? I think there's lots to take. I mean, obviously there's lots to take. We've been hearing this story for centuries. This is Hebrew scripture. So this is ancient. This is older than Jesus. Well, I was looking it up because I wanted to know if my memory of it was the same as what it actually is. And I find it fascinating that in one of the holy days for the Jewish people, they actually read this entire story once a year. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it means a lot and it has a lot to say. It does. And I think part of it is one of the things that I love and appreciate about the Hebrew scripture is that it gives this opportunity to see that the things that we're experiencing or thinking, the things that we're struggling with have been struggled with for centuries. Oh, they hit the nail on the head when it comes to a lot of the very singular human emotions of frustration, anger, everything. Totally. The whole idea that there are people that we would rather see suffer Mm -hmm. and face consequences than be forgiven. It's really real. It's a really human thing. Now, that's not the God that I want. It's a human emotion. I want my God to have a lot more compassion and forgiveness than I do. Which is exactly what you're seeing in this entire thing, right? Exactly. And this whole idea that God is a God of second chances that God forgives and gives another opportunity and another opportunity and will stay by you even when you're acting like an absolute jerk, right? And that sometimes absolute jerks can still be used for God's amazing forgiveness, right? A lackluster message halfway carried out after putting other people in danger and having to be drug along by a big fish still was enough for God to be able to save an entire city. And there's so much in there. There's so much promise and hope and people to resonate with. I mean, I spend a lot more time feeling like Jonah than I do feeling like God. That's for sure. Well, yeah, but the problem is he's he's not a likable character. I no, mean, not at all. He's he's doing the absolute least you can do. He's trying to run away as much as humanly possible. Resonating with that particular character brings a very uncomfortable feeling. Totally. And especially if you're a parent of a teenager. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> right? Because for all intents and purposes, Jonah is acting like the best teenager ever here. That's fair. Right? The whole idea of, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do because meh, and running away and putting other people at risk and coming back to it, halfway doing a thing. And I'm not talking negative about teenagers. It is a part of our development, a part of who we are as human beings that we come to a point in our life where we need to differentiate ourselves from our authority figures. 
And we behave poorly when we do that. We throw ourselves to the ground, we weep and we wail, and we gnash our teeth, and we think it would be better that I would have died than ever have had to deal with this. And eventually, after we recognize that we are independent individuals, and we are our own beings, and we can still rely on and have trust with those who provide things for us and who love us unconditionally, right? It's just a part of the journey of being alive, and being human. And this is a beautiful story of that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm fascinated that God doesn't get any more frustrated with Jonah. I mean, sure, he's throwing the big storm at the sea, and he's using whales as transportation. But at the same (laughs) time, it's not like a bolt of lightning is going to strike Jonah down at any point. And who knows? I mean, it's... um... You know, God at the same time provides shade. Yeah, I mean, that's my takeaway. And then takes it away. Well, yeah, (laughs) but even with somebody acting like an absolute jerk, for lack of a better term, there's still the patience and the love and the, come on, I'm going to explain it to you one more time. Yeah. And not giving in to... The rage and the anger and the retribution. Now, there are plenty of Hebrew stories where cities face consequences or don't listen to prophets and face significant consequences. Not saying that there isn't death and destruction and that sort of thing in well, the that kind scripture. Of the other part that makes this a remarkable story is that, wait, they listened? Yeah. <laughs> they repented? Right? To me, that's the miracle of this story. Like you said, it's not necessarily that Jonah gets swallowed by the big fish. It's that even with a lackluster effort on Jonah's part, that these people who were supposedly so evil and awful heard the message of God's love, chose to stop and turn around and go a different way. Like It is possible to change people's minds. It is possible for people to turn and go a different way. That's amazing. It really is. Is this something that shows up in any sort of lectionary or do you ever preach on it? I don't think it's in our lectionary at all. Where it shows up is Vacation Bible School. That's what I figured. I'm pretty sure that's where I encountered it. Yeah. Actually, the one year that I did Vacation Bible School where I was one of the people hosting one of the rooms, I got to make the inside of Jonah, (laughs) right? With the... sure. Great big plastic bags. Is this like a fork thing or a paper mache? (laughs) Great big plastic bags where they could walk through and then there were like misters on the side. You could get squirty bottles. Nice. (laughs) To mist them as they were walking through. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fun. So how do you preach something like this or teach something like this to the young ones? You know, it's more of the opportunity to do a story time. Easter vigil nights are a great night. Saturday nights before Easter It's a great story to tell at the vigil. You can get people involved in it quite a bit. Uh, I even have, I have little um, hand puppets. (laughs) Sure. Not like hand puppets, like popsicle stick puppets. Sure. Popsicle stick figures that I tell the story. There's also Veggie Tales made a movie of it. Oh, I think I've heard of it. I might even have seen it. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's the movie that bankrupted them as a, a, a... production studio but you know good go big it's a good movie catchy tunes just like you would expect excellent okay this is going to bring me back to my last question 
You said it doesn't come up in the lectionary, and you've used it for vacation Bible school. What about for confirmands? Do you ever use it for something like that, since it seems to be more that age in terms of behavior? It could be a great confirmation story. I think that I might have shown the movie once as like a downtime thing. Sure. But actually, that gives me a great idea for maybe something we could do with our current crew of confirmands. Well, there you go. I think oftentimes the movie might be a little young, but it could be a great distraction piece without them recognizing that they're learning something along the way. But at the same time, it might actually be more helpful for confirmation parents than for the confirmands themselves. What? How so? Learning patience? Patience or remembering that this is a part of you know, how kids behave and how kids are acting is a part of it and that they can still be doing awesome and good things even when they're being absolute jerks, right? That's an excellent lesson for all of us, but wow, is it a hard one to learn. Super hard. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Jonah and the whale. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed this. Go read the book. It's not too terribly long. You can find it online. You can go to BibleGateway.com or actually pull out a Bible and read through the book of Jonah. Send little snippets if you find something that caught your eye and you have a question about or made you giggle or smile about the story. We would love to hear about it. You can reach out at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.